This is the Press Play Podcast, powered by Splinify. Join us as we dispel the mystery that surrounds video, the world's most popular medium for communication. We'll share our expertise and provide the best analyses, strategies, and practices as we show you how to establish brand awareness, create noteworthy educational content, and drive insane amounts of revenue. Here's your host, Eric Gerber. To another amazing episode of Press Play, I have my good friend here, Garrett, the CEO of Directive. How are you? What is going on? I'm good, man. I'm good. I, uh, I'm not golfing as much. We need to get back out there, but <laughs> I'm excited to be here uh, working, working, man. Excited to chat. Garrett is the leader of an aspiring and fastly growing, very large company of, let's just say, marketing experts. And we'll dive into that in a second. But this same man can hit a golf ball 352 yards. I've seen it myself. So here we go. So Garrett, you and I have lots of fun, of course. But walk us through. Tell me about yourself and what do you do for the audience? Yeah, I get to lead directive. So I mostly work with a really awesome executive team uh, and try to think about Like, how do we position our business to be successful? How do we position our product to work with our clients at scale? You know, really just figure out, like, how do you do things when, like, in a high growth environment? Because, you know, lately the the business has been pretty successful. And I think there's this, like, tipping point. Like, if you're once your agency crosses 10 million, you get really, like, your product isn't what it used to be. And that's just the reality, right? Like, you, you start off as an agency and you're this like boutique shop you, as the owner, you're really close to the product and then you start getting directors and then you start having middle management. And then next thing you know, you're like, wait a second, that product isn't what I wanted it to be anymore. It's not what I thought it was. And that happens really, really easily in a business. Um, and so really what I do all day is I fight that. I try to keep us humble, honest, and raw around how do we stay as good as humanly possible at our product and stay about our customers because the bigger your business gets, it's really easy to your, for your business to become about your business instead of about the thing that your business exists for. Like directive doesn't exist for directive directive exists for its employees and for its customers. And so keeping that culturally relevant is uh, what I do. And it's, you know, it's actually a lot harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> so that's what I do all day. <laughs> I got you. And, you know, we've talked many, you know, many times about different tactics and strategies and marketing, but, you know, you just from like the core of it, culture and storytelling of your brand and what you're there to service the people for is ever, ever more important these days as we open up the microscope and transparency on how these companies work today, especially the fast growing ones that gets lots of attention like you. So I don't mean to brag too much about Garrett, but I do know that we're like pretty low key. I don't know, but (laughs) (laughs) you're a humble man who bootstrapped this whole company and is getting worldwide attention for what he does before the, the new normal at the moment was traveling all around on talk shows and uh, doing lots of things on stage for for speaking. But I got to say, for right now, for what you just said, how is Directive innovating the world of marketing with your flavor of what you're doing right now? Yeah, I mean, I think what's happening right now that I've realized is like marketing has a bunch of different pieces, I think, that are changing. I think there are some core facets around like where we're seeing success in our own marketing. And that's around like first party data. So Right now, traditionally, if you're going to market on LinkedIn, let's say, and you're going to go after someone, you upload, you like target, right? Like I want to target uh, computer software, 100 plus employees, United States, titles, 
But then the actual humans are in a black box because you don't know who LinkedIn is going to deliver those ads to. And so what we've done is we've really tried to take our total, total addressable market. So every SaaS company we want to work with and then essentially like enrich that data. So get all of our accounts as well as all our contacts at those accounts into our Salesforce, then bi-directionally sync that into everything. So when we're advertising, we feel like there's no waste. In other words, we feel confident that every single solitary contact and account we're delivering an ad to could one day be a customer. So I think like first party data is pretty important um, to get this successful. And I don't know a lot of organizations, frankly, that are able to do it for whatever reason. And we're trying to help them get there. But it's actually a lot harder than we thought to get people to use first party data instead of just the targeting options that exist in a platform. And, and that's amazing. And I know in the last year, you recently released a new uh, software tool yourself to help yeah. clients, uh, you know, your clients, but then also general public. I think it's available for, ever, for all of us, really. But yeah. can you talk us more about that that platform and, and the goal of that too? Yeah, I mean, at the time, like if you think about, so like, let's say you're targeting, uh, you're Explanify, right? Let's say you're Explanify right. and you're trying to target companies that uh, you know have a financial his- like history in video so that if your sales development team reached out to them, they would theoretically already be qualified to buy because they've already demonstrated a propensity for video. Does That's that make right. sense? That's right. right. So like, for you, I would scrape everybody out there who's using Wissy or Vidyard, right? And then I would immediately know that they've already invested in the channel. And I would layer essentially what I call like channel level, like psychographics against firmographics. So not only are they, do they have a hundred plus employees, not only do I go after these industries and these titles, but they also are invested in video. So what I do is I do that like where I'll take the Ahrefs API, the SEMrush API, and the SpyFu API, and then I'll determine using a logarithmic score how invested this target account is in the channel that we sell. And so that when I reach out to them, I'm confident that they fit my ideal customer profile and that they could be likely to hire us, not only because they have the right firmographics, but they also have the right engagement in the service I offer. Does that kind of make sense? Absolutely. And I think that's actually where everything is going is people want to know, I need to create content. Great. But where do I put it? How do I better target someone? Because a lot of the, the things that we've talked about on our show with past episodes and things like that have been, of course, there's the generic level, the basic blocks, but that's not where 2021 is right now. And it's certainly not going to be where 2022 is. Yeah. So if you're not using the data right now today with tools like this available to you, then you're already behind. You are the laggard. You are the outlier on the slow part. And that's not a good thing. Yeah. So we have all this data available and it goes beyond just the normal search filters at this point. You were in, let's just call it phase two or three of this where we need to take it that extra level. So when it comes to uh, being competitive, right, yeah. you know, j- just for you versus the next person, I personally know that your attachment to data points and ROI calculations and all the algorithms in between are what's key that drives massive success very quickly. But when you're seeing it out there in the world, how are you differentiating against the next person in B2B SaaS marketing? Yeah. So great question. You know, really, really great question there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I try, you know, I do my yeah. best. No, no. So like we have this like fundamental hypothesis around how we want to market when it comes to advertising, let's just say in general, just ads. And what you normally see, and this is like the prevailing thought, and I like to kind of take these like prevailing thoughts and pick them apart because that's when you get these real success and differentiation in your approach. So let's say I run the financial model for Explainify and they have an average order value of $100,000. And then I back that all the way into how much I can pay for a sales action. Well, it's called an intro call, a screening call that that call the inbound SDR does. 
right? I want to know how much I can pay for that moment. Let's say it's a thousand dollars. Okay. The prevailing logic in the marketing advertising community is that you have then a thousand dollars to get a lead from LinkedIn, right? Like that's how everyone thinks. So what I said is what if we didn't use our entire budget to go to the platform, but instead gave our budget to the prospect. Okay. So there's a unique little hypothesis here that's based on data and like actual like reality, right? So if you look at your financial model and you break it all the way down, your acquisition cost um, is actually a really bad thing. Like focusing on acquisition is horrific for you. Okay. So what happens in advertising and from now on the foreseeable future is it's an auction based environment. And so your cost per acquisition Let's say it's $50 to start on a CPC. So it's $50 cost per click. Every time a competitor enters that marketplace or someone increases their budget, it increases their the cost per click you're competing on by a rate greater than your ability to increase your price. That thus creates diminishing marginal returns on your gross margin. And so essentially, you're, you're kind of stuck. And so if you look at the model simultaneously, as much as I try to lower my CPC, smart bidding, new tactics, time of day analysis, all this stuff, it's still this like fixed thing that's kind of stuck due to the CPC. So instead of focusing on lowering acquisition costs, I believe you're better off, not that that's not important, but it's more important to increase your activation rate. And so instead of focusing on how many, how cheap you can get a lead, I want to figure out how cheap I can get someone from a marketing action to a sales action. There you go. And so essentially what we did is we said, what if instead of paying $1,000 to get someone to an intro call, what if we took of that $100 of that $1,000 and gave them a gift card? And so we tested essentially a $100 gift card for a sales meeting, a $50 gift card for a sales meeting, or no gift card for a sales meeting. And we were actually found that it's exponentially cheaper to do a $100 gift card than even a $50 gift card versus no gift card because the leverage you get by increasing your activation rate versus trying to decrease your acquisition costs. Yes. Okay. Okay. So I'm gluing these things together here with the audience so that we know, like we've been told certain things in the past, you know, what has been best practices, but what we're pointing on and highlighting is that with all of the influx of data and the troves and mountains of ways to do things, we really need to think strategically in a new, fresh way. And it goes beyond just the, the, the CPC part. We know that there are parts that we can do in marketing that lead to self-guided sales actions and where people buy into your brand. They, they get that brand awareness and loyalty and they've made that decision before they call you. And you and I have spoken about that a lot, but even in Explainify, large SaaS companies know, like I need a product video, but then I need all these other videos that get them started in five minutes. Otherwise they check out and unload the application and that's it. So you spend all that money all worried about CPC so someone can uninstall your software because they thought it looked great on the surface and then they got it and had no idea what the heck to do like that's yeah, it, it, we talk about a way important no 100 percent. it's super it's just like we have this concept that like i why would i spend a, like give someone a hundred dollar gift card that increases my cost by a hundred dollars but it's like a very like surface level way of understanding cost because you're not looking at in-platform costs you're looking at cost of sales action and so if you can increase someone's ability to go i call it from apathy to action right so if someone's on linkedin like most everyone right now doing social advertising is content with getting them at the informational intent stage. In other words, they run like lead gen ads to a white paper, ebook or guide. I mean, it's universal. It's like 99.9% of social advertising is get someone to download an asset. 
That's right. The problem is if most marketers don't run sales development, so they don't understand truthfully in their heart of hearts what happens. So when someone downloads that asset and it goes to your sales development team and they call them, I can guarantee you and every SDR listening is going to be like, hell yes, right? Like you call, no one picks up, they pick up, they don't know what you're talking about or they haven't read the asset. And so essentially what you did is you paid $45, let's say, for someone to download an asset, but they have the exact same purchase intent as if you would have bought the lead for 47 cents from Zoom Info. So why did it matter that we got them through LinkedIn if we could have just got that exact same human with the exact same intent from Zoom Info, Clearbit, Seamless, Lead IQ, whatever you're using for your data? So the difference is not how well can you get a lead into your database, but how well can you activate a lead in your database? And so like when you start to seek, think through it like that, all of a sudden your campaigns start to work and you just have to really maximize like, who am I talking to? Why do they choose us? And what's a good enough offer that I can get them from apathy to action? And when you put that all together, then your campaigns work. That's what's up. And like, and that's the next level thinking that we're trying to drive here on the podcast is like, we're really like, we know that there are basics of things. And if you don't have those things, okay, get those done. But this is about that next level. This is about, you know, you're coming here to learn some of those innovative tips and tricks. So let's, let's maybe dive into some of those examples that you, you just had an awesome one. Can you name like a, a client or a recent story in which they tried something that they didn't think about before and it increased, uh, it increased their, their activation exponentially without them even thinking about it until they talked to you? Yeah. I mean, I think the most universal example is like request a demo, right? So like every oh, SaaS yeah. company in the world does request a demo. I don't know. Our favorite why. topic. Yes. Request a demo everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Schedule a demo, get a demo, request a demo, whatever it is. But then there's, there's this concept of psychological friction. Like, Derek, do you like doing a bunch of demos? Like when you're trying to buy a software, do you like showing up to all the demo calls just to try to get a price and then watch a junior level AE like screw around on a platform? Is that enjoyable for you as a buyer? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, um, <laughs> depending on who's listening right now, careful. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like all day, that's what, like nobody likes buying software when they aren't in control of the purchasing process. It's like all I'm trying to do, dude, is know how much it costs. And if your product can solve my pain point, yet I have to like go through this whole thing just to see the stupid product. Like, let me see the product. Let me sell myself, right? Like that's where we're at today. Yet we aren't embracing that. So I'd say one of the best tactics we have for SaaS right across millions and millions of dollars to spend is instead of doing request a demo, it's the simplest form. Like there's other things you can do like live demo environments. You can do all sorts of cool trials stuff, but even in its simplest form is just change it from request a demo to watch three minute demo video. So now, and it's gated, right? So it's still that same form, but now when essentially you're giving the prospect the thing they want in real time, and you're actually telling them what type of commitment it's going to take to receive the value, it's going to take a three-minute commitment to get this value. And to get this value, you have to give us your personal information compared to not doing that, which is saying, give us your personal information and we'll hopefully follow up with you in 24 hours. And then we'll book a call and then we'll have to reschedule that. And then we're three weeks out and then we still haven't done anything. Talk about expensive. (laughs) Yeah. All I wanted to see is the darn product. But in fact, this other company, they actually let me see the product already and they gave me a quote. So I think I'm going to go with them. I know you're better, but who cares? Right? Like that's (laughs) the, and so I think, you know, that's an example of, you know, addressing psychological friction to try to help us create a better customer experience. It's just marketing's problem right now, Derek, is we, we, we care too much about ourselves. In other words, like we exist to drive MQLs, but that's stupid. Like if you run a forecast and you look at your numbers in reality, 
Like I can guarantee everyone here that there is no correlation between your MQL number and your revenue number in a set period of time if you did a regression analysis. I bet like there's not thing. a statistical significant T-stat between how many MQLs you drove in your make-believe pipeline. You know the Google sheet we all have of like, if I get X amount of MQLs and then I'll get X amount of SQLs and from that I'll get X amount of opportunities and from that I'll get X amount of revenue. What I found is the only correlation we have in our forecast is between opportunities and revenue. But there's no correlation between intro calls or even form fills to revenue like that we can actually predict if you go to the CFO. And so like we need to start getting what I call codependence as marketers. So like every one of our KPIs should be codependent on a feedback loop. And that's what makes us blameless. In other words, like so if marketing has an MQL goal because they're obsessed with being, quote unquote, in control. right? That's why this occurs. It's because marketing doesn't want to be codependent on sales because marketing wants to hit their goal. And if they miss the sales goal, they want to go, that's your fault sales. And that's their way of politically positioning themselves in this ecosystem. And so to get true growth, you need your marketing org reporting on a filtered metric, like an SQL or an op, where essentially their marketing work is also like successful only if it has quality filters. And so when you start to do that, that's when your growth comes. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And like you're really taking me into my next question right now is because there are so many, let's just say myths, because so many people want to focus on the technical parts. They want to report on what they have been told they think should be important to them. And I'm trying to you know, break this down just a little bit further, but very few times we start thinking about strategy. And I know that's something that, that rings in your heart real, real hard. But for us, like bring that to life for us. Like, you know, what, you know, how do I refresh this image of what's important to the team here? Yeah. So here's why marketing doesn't work. And it's going to be really direct and, you know, sorry for everybody if this. Oh, we like it. That's why we're here. This is what I struggled with too. Most companies don't have the, let's say cojones, the confidence to say no, because they're not good enough at acquiring the people that they want to say yes to. In other words, if you look at the agency model, most agencies, they, they can't actually do their service to get new business. In other words, most SEO and paid media shops don't get new clients from SEO or paid media because they're not good enough at targeting their exact customer to get them to them. And so they say, oh, it's different in the services business, but it's unique. We can do it for product. We can't do it for ourselves, which I always find hilarious, right? Like, how do you have a whole business focused on one service that you can't even do for yourself? But the truth is, the reason they can't is because there's services for everyone. And that translates to all businesses. In other words, most businesses aren't so good at getting the customers they want that they have to settle for any customer. And this is the truth because they essentially like it's one thing to say directive is only going to do performance marketing for SaaS. And it's, what happens often is we unbundle that positioning because we're not good enough at actually getting SaaS companies to want us. And so that we go back to being for everyone so that we can monetize our referrals and we can just let anyone who kind of finds us be for us instead of saying we're exactly for this and then going out and marketing it. So I think the start of good marketing is saying exactly who you're for as much as who you're not for and being confident in that. And so in other words, like it's easy to do LinkedIn in other places when you have a singular persona. Like I serve a director of demand gen at software companies with over hundred employees. Now, because I know that I can hire correctly, I can build my product correctly. I can do my marketing correctly and I can build a business that's best for that individual. What's right. normally here is someone says, well, yeah, we serve SaaS companies, but also these companies and sometimes these companies, and we really want to market to CMOs. But the truth is like CMOs don't buy, directors buy, right? Ah. CMOs tell directors they want to buy and then directors go out and buy. 
And so like <laughs> the concept is that your decision maker is not more important than your champion. So you have to really understand who's the person you work with after they sign the contract. That is your customer. Okay. Your, your, your actual customer is your prospect. And it's ironic because everybody wants their prospect to be a CMO, but their point of contact is a director or a manager. Do you see what I'm saying? So your, yeah. your prospect's your customer. So strategically, once we know the exact person we serve, now all of a sudden our campaigns work. But I can't make my messaging resonate with everyone. In other words, if my messaging could be for anyone, it's for no one. And so once I have my messaging drilled down to my exact persona in my exact industry, and I know their exact pains, now all of a sudden my advertising works. So the reason people aren't able to monetize performance marketing and they struggle is because they don't have their positioning right. And because they don't have their positioning right, they can't get their messaging right. Because their messaging's right, not right, they can't get their cost per acquisition right. Does that make sense? It trickles down. It starts with, yeah. if you just say yes to everything, that's one thing, then saying, no, we actually don't do that. And that's the benchmark for us. And I think that's really important for, you know, really focusing on hyper-targeting, not only your content, but your whole business by itself. The whole thing from the start, from the inception of the brand and the first time they see that logo, how do you get them to convert and buy into that loyalty? How do you create those programs from a strategic level that carry into exactly yep. what you want instead of just opening the floodgate? Opening the floodgate on this show, again, that's a no-no for everybody. We don't do that. We want to be specific. We want to be targeted. Explain if I don't just make a generic video, make videos that accomplish things, have a product overview, watch demo video, how to get started, advanced features. Like you have to think about it on that extra level at this point in time. Maybe you could have squeaked by with it a few years ago. Not anymore. People are self-guided. They want to do things on their own time. <laughs> they want to get right yeah. to the new And if you do serve a bunch of different verticals, that's fine, right? If you're going to have a bunch of different industries, a bunch of different products, like a lot of our clients are pretty large. That's normal, right? Like they're kind of platform, right? They're platforms with different features for different industries. That's okay. But then you need to then do the dirty work of then essentially breaking each one of those out into their own unique campaigns with their own unique persona, with their own unique messaging and positioning. You can't just like what I see normally what people do. If you look at their like ad campaigns is they'll like, even like us, they just throw like a VP, a director and a CMO into the same campaign but you, what I call is like single persona campaigns. And so you would separate that. And so like practically, let's say you're doing a white paper right now. Most people have the ultimate guide to, um, ex- to video, right? And that's probably what's something explain if I would do. And what I would say is, cool, let's take that exact same asset. Let's change the cover page and let's change the creative. So it's the CMO's guide to explain our videos. Oh, oh. It's the VP's guide to explain our videos. And then I only market to CMOs and I only market to VPs in that ad group. And next thing you know, my conversion rate goes from like maybe four, five, six percent to like 40, 50 percent because my messaging, my creative, my copy and my asset are all personified to exactly who I'm targeting. It's explainified and personified. I like it. (laughs) So, all right. You know, I love this part. Um, Busted myths around uh, different topics. So, yeah, anywhere from video creation to paid ads to, to SEO. What other myths you think we can throw in here that we can bust today? Yeah, I think the biggest myth is that SEO takes longer than paid media. Boom, um, that's, that's, that's a drop crazy. of the hat right there. And I would actually totally yeah, agree with yes. that. Let's jump into that. Yeah, so like everything's relevant, right? So like, let's say you have a ton of content, but you've never run ads before. People still think somehow advertising is going to work faster than SEO. But the truth is, is like advertising takes so long to work. Like 
that there's this myth that you can just like turn it on and somehow you're going to resonate with your audience and they're going to be like, oh my God, finally, I want that. Yes. And then they just become a prospect and they fill out your form and they close. Like for us to get LinkedIn to work with the campaign I'm talking about, it took me seven months. That's right. Seven months to close a deal. And in that meantime, we probably spent $400,000, let's say on it. So like, I think what makes people successful at advertising is their propensity to lose money. Like you have to be willing to like, think about it. We didn't turn off the campaign for seven months as we made no money and we're spending tens of thousands of dollars. Everybody pay attention to this part. (laughs) There's this myth that you're somehow your advertising can work faster than your sales cycle. Does that make like, like, like I can't tell you how many people have told me they have a four month sales cycle, but they're pissed. Their ads aren't working in two months. (laughs) Do you get what I'm saying? Like it doesn't even make logical sense, but that's like this world we live in. And the truth is, is like new campaigns take forever and you have to be willing and so convicted that this is why it's so important at first party data. You have to really know that this is the exact person I want to talk to and I'm going to figure out how to make them want me. It's like if you just like or fall in love with somebody and you go up to them, hey, do do you love me? They're like, I don't know you. And they walk away. You're like, oh, crap, I'm done. Or are you going to really try to figure out how to build a relationship with them? It might take you seven months to get a first date because maybe you don't know what their interests are. Maybe you haven't really built any common connections. Maybe you don't really understand. You see what I'm saying? Advertising takes a lot of time to turn keywords off, turn keywords on. But like, are you going to turn a keyword off before it has a hundred clicks? What if you turn a keyword off at 95 clicks and the next five clicks convert and now you have a 5% conversion rate? But because you want to run 3,000 keywords, it's taking you so long because all your budget is spread across all these business units. Like, I can't tell you how many people have a $10,000 budget and want to advertise on LinkedIn, Google Ads, Facebook, Captera, Software Advice across four different personas and three different products. So I'm spending $50 a month on Google and they're like, why isn't it working? You see what I'm saying? Like, there's this like depth to advertising that actually takes a long time. And I wish for everyone's success that we were okay, like with an ad campaign taking a year. Because if we could really look at it from that long of a window, what we would have is we would have something that all our competitors didn't have the guts to do, which is actually lose enough money to start getting it to be a channel that can make us money. But like everybody says, like if I see ROI, I'll spend more. The truth is like not if you see ROI, will you spend more? It's are you willing to lose enough money that one day you'll see ROI? That's right. And if you have that mindset, you'd be amazed at what you can make work in your business. You just have to gut it out for a long time. Yeah. And I would say if I could tackle that to myself, I, it's stop talking about it like it's a cost. It's an investment. Um, I think that's that's really key because, yeah, what you say, okay, yeah, I got some money. I could do it for 30 days. Oh, man, you know, where's all the things? And it's, it, it literally never. And it's not like it's you guys, right? But like, like well, imagine if your context was, I'm going to launch a video and somehow my business is going to change. <laughs> like, that's not real. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a tactic. Instead, if you say, I believe video is the best way to communicate with my customers, and I'm willing to invest in hundreds of videos to beat my competitors by creating a more delightful, transparent, in-depth, emotional experience, then video works for you. But video doesn't work just because you do a video. Video works because you're embracing a new way of interacting with your customers and communicating value, and you're willing to do so much of it so often, so consistently, that you build a brand around it. Without doing it in that approach, it's just a tactic that maybe gets you one or two points, but it doesn't get you 10, 20, 30 points. And that's the difference. I think. Yeah. And I would say maintaining the perseverance 
and having the persistence to be successful, basically you can will it into existence. I, I've had stories for myself, um, posted a video, did a live event up in Silicon Valley of a software demonstration. And nine months later, leading banking executives in Japan flew out to San Francisco and we all met with the board there and why it took nine months. And I was told, you know, Hey, is this $15,000 event worth it? Fire room full of 500 leaders in AI and blockchain and FinTech technologies decided. Yes, it was. It just took nine months and it was, it was a part of a campaign Yeah, yeah, to expand on it. That was just like, it took time. And while in that moment, everyone got a little finicky it was the right decision and we persevered through it. Oh, and by the way, in that nine months, we kept up other things that paid back us later very well. And like, that's, that's the vision there. So don't be so wrapped up in the small tactical thing for the audience. Think about on that bigger picture, be willing to spend six, nine, 12 months and like really dial in the advertising, the advertising part constantly takes reiterations and refinements. It's never done. You don't just throw your money at Google and you magically make a bunch of money happen on the back end for yourself. That's not that's not what we're talking about here today. No, and there's three other people advertising, right? There's four ads above the fold. So like, why does someone choose you over yeah. there? That's the part people don't understand. It's not like you exist in a vacuum. You exist in a competitive environment. And a lot of times your product just frankly isn't better than theirs yet. You don't know how to pitch it, promote it, position it. And so- you know, learning that I think is really important. You know, I, I think everything's a perfect perseverance, Derek. I like to make the joke that I've done more content for fewer people than anyone in the world. Like, I mean, I, like, it's just like, I keep trying, I keep trying and it hasn't really taken off for us, but you have to keep grinding it out. And I think like, we believe that in content. We don't believe that in advertising, but the truth is, is it's like advertising in my opinion actually takes longer than content. Because you have to be able to make it profitable. And that acquisition cost, you don't have on content, you really do have on advertising. And so advertising, yeah, that's the myth. I think advertising actually takes longer than content. Yeah, yeah. and like, it's very well said. And um, as we're kind of coming around to, I mean, it leads us into some of our final questions. But uh, you know, what is next for you in directive? You have a lot going on, hyper growth type of mentality for this year, big goals ahead of you. I don't know, what can you share with us? Yeah, I mean, we want to try new like content delivery models, if that makes sense. So like all of us kind of do our content and hope people read it. Um, I want to figure out how to do promotion before content. So like the joke, right? I do more content for fewer people than anyone is because I suck at promotion, right? That's just the truth. I'm terrible at promoting our content. And so how do you, instead of trying to get better at promotion, make the content codependent on the promotion? And so... Usually like that's all I try to do is just think about why I'm failing and then just flip it, just do the opposite. Right. And so uh, we're trying to figure out new ways of launching content to like embrace this, like quality is better than quantity and promotion is more important than creation. And so how do you do that? And so we're coming up with some pretty creative ideas around how to launch content uh, that I'm pretty excited about. So that should be interesting. That's so cool. And and again, we work with uh, very large SaaS companies, but Garrett is your go-to if you are in, in the, in the search for a man who has data to make the right decisions for you, he is your guy. And I just wanted to say thank you, Garrett, for joining us today. You're the man. We're going we're gonna to catch Thanks, up guys. soon. We'll go hit some golf balls. But in the meantime, for the audience, I just want to say thank you as well. Please remember to hit review and also subscribe. And so, Garrett, we thank you very much. And we'll have you again sometime in the future. All right, bud? Sounds great. Awesome. Thanks, Garrett.